Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Civil Action. Y'all ain't gonna believe me, but I got one of the superstars of our political climate. She is taking over by storm and she has this real cool, you know, voter initiative drive that caught my attention and I invited her to the show and she said yes. Oh my gosh. I wanna introduce Miss Bethany Hallam. Bethany, how are you? fantastic today how are you doing man you know you made my day right you Why? know you made my day just saying yeah oh my gosh you know you're so busy you're doing all these great things i'm watching you on facebook which i am a fan of right and now i get a chance to actually talk to you one-on-one i'm so glad to be here i told you anytime you call you know i'll always answer well, I may be calling again. You might not say that the next time, but let's see what happens this time. Why don't you tell our viewers who you are, what you've done? Tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, your interesting past. I think, you know, some parts of your past, you know, people could possibly benefit from. Sure. So currently I am the Allegheny County Council member at large, which means that I represent all of Allegheny County, all 1.3 million residents as the part of the legislative body of count of the county. So in the same way that Congress is the legislative body of the United States, Allegheny County Council is the legislative body of Allegheny County. So we make up the laws and policies that affect all of the residents of the area. Uh, I'm also on the Allegheny County Jail Oversight Board and a member of the Allegheny County Board of Elections which, as you can imagine, has been keeping me very, very busy lately. <laughs> I can definitely I imagine. Right. I do have like a really unconventional past for someone who is involved in politics. Uh, so I very openly am a formerly incarcerated person. I am in long-term recovery from substance use disorder. Uh, I started when I was in high school and after a couple sports in injuries, I got addicted to prescription painkillers. It eventually mm. evolved into heroin when I was in college and I battled that for 10 years. And then this summer I celebrated four years of recovery, which was Something I never would have imagined. And really, I just think life has really come full circle, right? Four years ago, I was sitting in the Allegheny County Jail. And now I'm a member of the Jail Oversight Board that oversees that exact same jail. So life you is... You know, when I, <laughs> when I first met you and you, you told me about that history, um, it was almost unbelievable. But I think, you know, what's even more important is just how open you are and how willing you are to share that part of your past, you know, because it, it goes to show that, you know, regardless of where you are in life, I mean, if you if you want something bad enough, you, you can certainly, you know, make those changes in your life and you can achieve, you know, some of the things that, that you've achieved. And and my gosh, I mean, look at you now, you, you are doing an amazing job. 
I feel like something that I learned in my recovery is that we can only keep what we have by giving it away. So if I want to keep my recovery and all the successes that I've been able to enjoy in my recovery, that I have to be constantly helping other folks understand the process as well, helping other folks, supporting them through recovery, helping them understand how to get more involved in their community and more involved in politics. And so I spend all day, every day, just making sure that everyone can experience the awesome things I've been able to experience in life. Well, well, let me ask you this, and then, and then I want to get into you know some other parts of why we invited you here. But what was the primary thing that you know that led to your turnaround? Who I have an awesome system, like the most amazing support system of family and friends and people who just never gave up on me. I mean, I went to rehab a dozen times. I was in and out of jail just as many times, and they all stuck by me. And so when I was finally ready, when I hit my own personal rock bottom, which everyone's is different, they were all there to scoop me up and just kind of smother me with love and support. And they've stuck by me through really bad decisions. And now they get to celebrate (laughs) really, really amazing parts of life with me too. So that's, that's what it is. No question. Amen. Amen. Well, look at you now. I mean, now, now you're sitting, you know, in this place and and what, what decided that, Excuse me, what was the reason that you decided that you wanted a career in politics? Yeah, so I had always understood since I was a little girl how important politics was. And I've always been able to see that, oh, what I want to see in my community isn't happening. So maybe we should mm-hmm. elect new people to represent us in the community. So I've always understood that since I was really young. But what I think really made me want to get involved is when I was sitting in the county jail, I looked around and it wasn't people who were in there with me who actually deserved to be in there, right? It wasn't so-called criminals. It was people who were in there for crimes of survival, whether they were selling drugs to support a drug habit, whether they were using drugs, whether they were shoplifting to feed their family or squatting in an abandoned house so that they had shelter. I realized that these were folks who just needed resources and support and that that wasn't coming from anywhere. The solution was to lock folks in cages and throw away the key. And I realized how much these people could add to our community, how much we all could add if we weren't in the circumstances that we were in. And so as soon as I got out, I was determined that I was going to fight to make sure everyone had the resources they needed for their community. And the way I knew how to do that was to get involved in politics. So now that you're in it, I mean, what what are the things that you think we need to do policy wise so that we can address, you know, the systematic abuse that, you know, we're, we're incarcerating people for things that we should not necessarily be incarcerating them for? You know, what are what are the solutions? How do, how do we affect change? Oh, I think there's that's a very loaded question, but I will do my best to answer it. Uh, so I know you can. Yeah. That's why I brought you here. <laughs> so in Allegheny County alone, 81% of the people who are sitting in our county jail have not been convicted of a crime. So they're okay. in there for technical probation violations where Allegheny County leads the state in periods of probation or parole after a period of incarceration. And Pennsylvania leads the entire nation. So there are folks who have been mm. on probation or parole for 5, 10, 15 years in any tiny mix-up that wouldn't put you or I in jail lands them right back in 
the criminal legal system. Also, a lot of those people are in there awaiting trial because they couldn't afford cash bail. So I really think that advocating at the state level for the elimination of cash bail would solve a lot of those problems as well. Uh, we saw as COVID was ravaging our communities that finally jails and prisons were starting to release people who were not serving sentences, who were not convicted of a crime. And crime rates on the street didn't go up. It's not that these folks are dangerous to society. It's just easier for our court system and our probation and parole system to not have to worry about them being on the street, but instead just, again, throw them in jail and lock away the key. I also think it's really important that we divest in the resources that we've been constantly providing to the police system in this county and in this country, and instead take that money and invest it in resources to help communities. Because again, if the overwhelming amount of people who are in jail are in there for committing crimes of survival, why don't we instead provide them with resources to survive so that they don't have to sell drugs and steal and squat in abandoned buildings to get by, that they have their community behind them and that they have social services behind them. And I think that when we invest in education, healthcare, workforce development, um, a, a healthy environment, clean water, clean air, I think that's really what we need to see the problems addressed at a local level and at a national level. Sure. So you're, you're an advocate of, of defunding the police? Oh, for sure. I think that the messaging surrounding that movement has been what folks have a hard time with. I think the messaging should instead be divest and reinvest because if you take money away from somewhere, you need to be telling people where it's going to go. When people hear this messaging of defunding the police, they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? But when you look at the data and you look at the numbers, there is no reason why a suburban Allegheny County police force needs to have two tanks or rubber bullets or uh, flashbang grenades or tear gas. And there's no reason why we need to have police in riot gear patrolling peaceful protests and attacking activists. And so I think that whenever we talk about better messaging and better language, instead of just saying, let's defund the police, what we should be saying is let's divest in the tens of millions of dollars that we're putting into police budgets every year and instead invest that money in all the things that I just mentioned before. Invest that sure. in education. Invest that in our communities. Let's build parks and community centers and after school programs for people to go to to stay out of trouble, to stay out of the criminal legal system. Let's stop sure. over-policing black and brown communities, which is why the black and brown population in our county jail is so disproportionate to the population of Allegheny County, to the demographics of Allegheny County. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing these resources going to the wrong places. And instead of just saying defund the police and thinking that there will be no concept of public safety, let's talk about how when we divest those resources from the police, we reinvest them into mental health services, into substance use disorder treatment, into services and resources mm -hmm. for people, and that we put people over everything else. Amen. Yeah, I certainly agree. People definitely come first. Mm -hmm. In that realm, I happen to be scrolling on my Facebook timeline and I see my friend, <laughs> and I think you know what I'm getting to. I see my friend sort of like this. Naked. <laughs> naked. And I had to scroll back. I said, is that Bethany? <laughs> and then I see a voter registration application over where you know her you know your breast 
are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> and I said she got my attention. She got my vote. I'm calling her for the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do some more scrolling, and I see Nicole Nesby. Yeah. Right. Mayor McKeesport, right? And then I see Sarah Inorado. And I said, she got the superstars of our political climate to bare naked for voter initiation. And I said, this is awesome. Yeah. You got to tell me how this, this surfers. Um, so it really came out of a joke with some of my friends. So uh, there was a PA Supreme Court ruling that was handed down. What was that? A little over a month ago that said that mail-in ballots, which remember first year in Pennsylvania that we have no excuse mail-in ballots. They handed down a ruling that said that if you forget that inner secrecy envelope, your vote won't be counted. And right. so that was a big change because in the primary, if you forgot that envelope, we were able to count your vote anyways. But now that the okay. Supreme Court had handed down this ruling, it was actually a Donald Trump campaign lawsuit. Uh, I've been sued by him almost a dozen times this election cycle. So that's like something to check off the bucket list. Uh, but so we started hearing reporters calling, talking about naked ballots. And as soon as I heard naked ballots, I was like, we're going to have to get naked for this, aren't we? <laughs> So I texted some of my friends, uh, state representative-elect Emily Kincaid and county councilwoman Liv Bennett. We had a group text that we we're always talking on and I texted them and I was like, I have this wild idea. What do y'all think about getting naked and raising awareness so that people remember not to submit naked ballots? I mean, they were predicting 100,000 ballots in Pennsylvania alone we're going to get tossed out because folks were not going to send that inner secrecy envelope. This is a state right. that Donald Trump only won by 44,000 votes in 2016. So the race was decided by less votes than they were predicting were going to be thrown out this year. So, you oh, know, wow. we like to have fun. And so I got them on board, called Sarah and Mayor Nesby and Jeff Semler <laughs> from Edinburgh Council. And I said, hey, anybody who's on board, we're taking naked pictures. Actually, they were taken in front of this wall that's right behind me if you recognize it. <laughs> I, I see the wall and I got the picture. <laughs> Y'all probably don't want me to get naked. Folks will, will definitely not vote if they see my neck and bum up there. You so. got to pull out the big guns. We're only a few days out from the election. So if you're ready, you, got, you, you gotta know gotta I have a photographer. You got to pull out the big gun. My guns used to be big. They ain't big no more. But I do the best I can with what I got. <laughs> so tell me, you know, I mean... The, the the thing that I love about you most is is your creative approach to this. Um, you know, when 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 we watch politicians, and I'm, I'm I'm using that word generically, but when we watch politicians, I mean, we always hear and see the the, the same old rhetoric. You know what I mean? You know, vote, vote, your vote should count. They're kissing babies and they're making promises that we know damn well we'll never see. But you know, when I I heard. <laughs> And, and I'm sure it's true, but I heard that you posted something on Facebook encouraging people to potentially run for office for seats that that are shared by by your your colleagues. <laughs> and I said, you know, this this is how it should be. You know, this is what it should be. I mean, politicians should stand 
with and for the people. And I, I believe that you do in almost every, you know, in everything that I read, everything that I see, you know, and I'm so honored to have you, you know, as a friend, um, because I know that you believe in what you do. And I think that above any other policy platform or legislative agenda, what's so important is transparency and accessibility in the governmental process. If people can't participate and have access to what their elected officials are doing, how are they supposed to know whether they should be out campaigning against them or trying to vote them out or voting to keep them? And we see a lot, especially now being inside politics. I see so yeah. much backdoor, backstabbing, conniving behind the scenes and the public doesn't get to see about it. And that's not me, right? I lived a life of lies, hiding my substance use disorder from my family for a decade. And once I started my recovery, I said, I'm not lying anymore. Like what you see is what you get. And I think that that's Amen. how all government should be. We should stop Amen. electing politicians and instead elect regular people with lived experiences. And I think that we need folks like that who are going to call out the crap when they see it. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just doing it in the open as opposed to behind closed doors like we see other folks doing it. Well, Sarah, I mean, Sarah, I'm thinking of Sarah on a ride. Hey, well, that's Bethany. a compliment. That, that, is who <laughs> me, that is who really inspired me from day one to run for office. Sarah and I actually went to high school together. Uh, her she and her is a superstar. Yeah, she is a superstar. And that's, that was the first campaign that I got involved with after I was released from the county jail. I needed something to like pick me up from a really low place. And I was like, someone I know is running for office. And that's really what started the whole process. So you can confuse us any day of the week. I take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Bethany, I, I can't thank you enough. And I, you know, I, I'm very sincere in, in most of the things that I say. And, and I, you know, from everything that I've seen, you know, you should be applauded. Um, you're certainly walking the walk, you know, that you've talked. And, uh, and God bless you. And if nobody has thanked you, you know, certainly let me be the first, although I'm sure that I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Keep doing what you're doing for us. Um, you've got my vote any day of the week, you know, and thank you for being a guest on my show. As I said, anytime you call me, I'll always be there. I appreciate everything you're doing to just get the word out there as well. So thank you. Amen. Well, listen, folks, I know that, you know, there's anywhere in the world that you could have been, but you're right here with me. You know, if uh, you, you've seen this video and you like it, you know, please leave Bethany a message. I'm sure she would appreciate it. You know, she's probably one of the coolest politicians that I've ever met, you know, and I thank you for your time and have a great day from Civil Action. We have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate.